Welcome once again to Devotional. This is lesson number two for Sunday, November 11th. This lesson uh, wastes no time. It gets right into some sticky stuff that took place in the early church that we're so thankful, we ought to be very thankful that the, the Bible doesn't hide or pretend it didn't happen, but brings it front and center for us to, number one, be encouraged that we're not the only generation struggling within ourselves, but um, more so how to address these issues. And in Acts chapter one, six, uh, chapter 6, verse 1, the lesson um, focuses on what caused this first rift, this first source of division. What was it? And I wrote down prejudice. Um, racism, which in and of itself, you know, should make us um, sad. It should make us sad. And next to the, that, those two answers of prejudice and racism, I put our church, the Seventh-day Adventist Church in the 1940s. Um, we are not immune to this. No church has ever been immune to this, unfortunately. And it is tragically part of our history, too. And they, during that time, during that decade and, and going forward, it started before, of course, there's a, a lot of events, tragic, very tragic events that happened prior to that within our church, here in North America specifically, that um, led to the development of conferences for the purpose of segregation that were specifically for African Americans. And uh, it's a big blotch in our history. And we can point the finger this way and that way. Uh, we should point the finger to myself. That's, I think, the most safe, the safest place to point any fingers. Um, and back then, the, the tragedy doesn't get any better, I think. Back then, the segregation was done primarily because of skin color. Today, this segregation is sustained, but no longer, I think, because of skin color uh, or only or primarily because of skin color. I think tragically today is because of different differences in worship styles. Again, I, I couldn't show you data to prove this. This has just come from conversations that I've had with individuals, friends, personal friends, that are part of regional conferences or uh, pastors in the regional conferences. And it's heartbreaking to see what is what it is actually that div divides us. And of course, we say different worship styles, and that word, word worship is so misused. It's liturgy. That's really the difference, um, which is, again, like I said, sad. And um, to kind of whet your appetite, this lesson, lesson number 11, uh, I'm going to read to you the title of that lesson. And hopefully that this will motivate you to uh, either download the lesson itself on your app, your phone or your uh, tablets. Lesson number 11, the title of it is Unity in Worship. I'm looking forward to that. I, I believe, like I said yesterday, that this quarterly will probably stick around in my shelf for quite some time to reference back, to gain, and maybe I'll make a sermon series from this uh, to add even more things to build on this, to appeal on this. So more on that to come. But uh, yesterday, I, I mentioned a, an emotion that uh, surfaces that have strong emotion, which was fear. And there's actually two emotions that are strong. The other emotion is anger. And um, anger, anger and fear 
can do some some damage, some serious damage when we allow them to consume and control and cause us to simply react to things without thinking things through. So yesterday we saw how fear, you know, Herod's fear or the Pharisees' fear can cause such reactions that Herod killed a town of babies uh, in the town two years and under. That entire town just lost all their baby population in one night. And Pharisees, of course, were the ones instigating uh, attacks on Christ and were part of the plot to put him to death, to crucify him. Fear. Today, we want to talk about anger. And anger comes from this perceived racist, racist uh, attitude. And Dr. Fortin goes you know, to quite some length of time, uh, extent, to highlight the fact that this was a perception. It wasn't a reality. Um, unfortunately, what happened in the 1940s in our church was not a perception. It was, unfortunately, a reality that, um, I mean, it needs to be looked at. If we're ever going to, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, right, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't say, uh, if, if you try to justify yourself, say, you know, it was kind of bad, but, you know, it's to confess it. And I think we need to confess it own it. And that way God can forgive and cleanse. Here, this um, anger is because of racism. And Dr. Fortin actually doesn't say it was or wasn't. He says this, the Bible doesn't tell us ex explicitly or clearly whether this was actually happening, but people actually felt this way. And the way the apostles handle it is they didn't invalidate them. They didn't say, well, you're perceiving this. Um, go and pray about it. They responded by, by wisdom wisdom provided to them by the Holy Spirit. They do not appoint uh, seven Jewish leaders to oversee this. The, the church uh, feels comfortable enough, it's mature enough to say, go and select uh, seven uh, from the disciples, seven individuals full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom to oversee this distribution of food. And the lesson tells us that they were all from Greek speaking heritage. It was the Greeks that came complaining that when they distributed food, the Christian Jews, to them, in their estimation, were receiving better treatment, better portions than the Greek widows were receiving. And because of this uh, disparity, anger arose. Hey, this is not fair. This is not just. This is prejudice. And um, <clears throat> the church, the, the, the apostles said, okay, get yourself some... Uh, individuals that are Greek speaking and allow them now to be in charge of the distribution. This will help bring balance to the equation. Very, very wise. And I had not paid attention to some of these details before. Um, I just highlighted how where, where we feel that there are no solutions, God can provide solutions. How we concluded yesterday's lesson, the things that seem so unsurmountable today, you know, the the logistics of, you know, okay, so let's say that leaders across North America wanted to humbly come before the Lord and say, you know, we're, we're going to uh, somehow remove this distinction between conferences that are segregated. We don't want that anymore to be part of our institutional structure. Um, but right now, honestly, we've had dialogues. And here in District 12, near the Detroit area, we've, we met with um, pastors, uh, Christian brothers, colleagues, seeking to figure out ways and you know it's complicated to us it, it, some people would say you know it's impossible but i have this confidence that 
when Jesus comes in the clouds of heaven, he will not find our, our, our church institutionally, for sure, uh, as far as the congregations themselves, but institutionally, I don't think he will find our church segregated. I believe that God will somehow help us to find a way, just like he helped the apostles back then, um, which fills me with hope. You know that um, what we see right now may seem like, well, it's always been like this, and so there's no way that it's going to change. Um, we can draw hope from what I think is, you know, unlikely place, which is secular society. In secular society today, um, we don't see bathrooms, you know, for one skin color and another skin color. In restaurants, we don't see, um, at least not legally enforced. Uh, we don't see that anymore. And if, if secular society can make that change, Yes, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. was a Baptist pastor and there was, you know, the, the inclusion of God and grace in, in his lectures. But for the most part, the, the civil authorities that made their changes did not necessarily make them based exclusively on scriptural grounds. Um, and if the world can make those changes and can make such radical reformations at, in a secular level, I am so confident that the church guided by the Holy Spirit, inspired and corrected and rebuked by the Word of God, how much more can the church make these changes? I am confident that we can pray and act. I can try to, with my little voice in my little neck of the woods, seek to speak to these things and hopefully through dialogue, more dialogue can ensue. And we don't know, you know, God can bring these walls down and He does not need prolonged, protracted uh, com committees after committees. If the Holy Spirit moves upon our church, these walls of separations could come down in no time. I am confident in that. And I press forward knowing that no matter what difficulty our church faces, we have Jesus on the throne. He will make His church victorious come through to the very end. Praise God for that. <laughs>